You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. Hour two, the Anita Marks show here on 98.7 ESPN. Good friend of the show, Moke Hamilton, joins us as always around this time of the year, talking all things NBA. Moke, the Knicks did it, dude. Uh, they won <laughs> game one, 101 to 97. Your thoughts overall on the Knicks win, regaining home court advantage. Yeah, I mean, definitely great win. Good good morning to you, Nita, and to all your listeners across the country and the world. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, the, 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 the Knicks, um, you know, I, I think uh, I've been having a lot of conversations about this team with a bunch of people over the past couple of days. And even one of my, uh, one of my good buddies said that he thought that R.J. Barrett was going to be the X factor for the Knicks in the series and that the Knicks needed him to play well for them to win. And I said, you know, I'm not really sure about that. I think that they have enough depth at the wing, particularly with Josh Hart, that, uh, you know, they could survive RJ not really having his, his best efforts and still come away with a couple of W's in the series. And lo and behold, that's exactly what we saw yesterday. For me, it, you know, I, I said from the beginning that, that I thought Jalen Brunson, um, Julius Randle is obvious, but end of the day you know you really need Brunson and Randall playing well in order to have an opportunity to beat the Cavaliers and it was just pretty fitting for me because I actually thought that Brunson was the most important player for the Knicks heading into the series and um, you know when when the going got tough in, in the waning minutes of the fourth quarter last night you know he put the team on his shoulders and he he, he carried them to victory so um, you know the stock of Jalen Brunson just continues to rise and he continues to make uh, the Knicks brass look smart for going out and, and getting him. It certainly looks like he, he may have been one of the missing ingredients for this team. So certainly a, a magnificent win for the Knicks as they now recapture home court advantage, as you said, and they put themselves in, in, in a good situation, stealing game one on the road as the, um, you know, as the road team in the series. It, it always feels good. So, Nick fans wake up this morning feeling pretty good about their team and about their chances to, to eventually pull this series out. Yeah, no denying that. And and just sticking on the on the on the Brunson conversation, um, you know, I, I I I've I've been saying this for a few weeks now, and not to say that he deserves to win the MVP, but I felt like he should be a part of the conversation. If Jason Tatum is a part of the conversation. I felt that Brunson should have been a part of the that, that like that's how significant I think Brunson's uh, contribution <clears throat> to this team I felt has been uh, this season. Agree or disagree? I mean, I think I think it's fair. the uh, The only thing about it, Anita, that I guess there's two, there are a couple of different things I think. Number one, I will say that I understand the sentiment, but at the end of the day, you know, the Knicks were still just the fifth seed in the conference. And you don't typically see guys from teams that finish that low in the standings, at least at least not in, in recent times. You know what I mean? Like, I think the guys that really sort of capture our imaginations as it relates to MVP are typically guys whose teams are just closer to the top, you know? So, I mean, if the Knicks, if the Knicks somehow, you know, if they won 50 games and if they ended up with the third seed in the conference, then maybe you would have heard a, a bit more chatter about that. But the fact that they didn't, you know, eh, I, I can kind of understand. Now, don't get me wrong. Like I said, talking about him and giving him props and giving him credit, that is certainly due. And I think he is getting that. But um, I guess what, what I would do is I would turn it back on you and challenge you and say, okay, well, 
let's pretend for a second that you do have an MVP vote. Where are you putting him on your ballot? You think that he should be in the conversation. Does that mean that you're voting him as one of your top five finishers in the MVP race? And if so, who are you booting for him, right? Because we know at this point who, who the top three finalists are. And I think it's safe to say most people would have them as their top three. So then that would be my question. My question would be, well, if you think he should be in the conversation, which of, you know, where are you putting him on your ballot? Is he number four? Is he number five? And if you put him in either one of those spots, I would respect it. But like I said, fifth seed, 47 wins, I can kind of understand. But let's, let's not overlook the fact that he is a finalist for most improved players. So at least he is getting some love from the NBA and from the national, uh, the national media. Listen, that's fair, right? That's fair. Um, I, I, I would, I, I think you can make an argument that you could put him in your top five. Uh, as we know, top three was announced this week with Jokic, uh, Embiid, and and Giannis. I do believe Embiid is going to win it. I think those who uh, hold the key and vote don't necessarily see Embiid as one of the three greats with Larry and Bill. Um, and, and Wilt. So I, I don't believe that, that he'll get the vote. And, and I think that will be a big reason. Also, uh, this is a 76ers team. They finished really strong. They were the best team uh, that finished post trade deadline. So yeah. uh, I do believe, I, I do believe in bead ones uh, wins just FYI. Okay. With that being said, a few reasons why, and again, uh, Moke Hamilton joining us here, 98.7 ESPN doing a deeper dive into this Knicks win against the Cavs. Uh, Here are my reasons why I believe the Knicks were successful last night. First and foremost, uh, bench play, right? 37 points off the bench for the Knicks compared to 14 off the bench for the Cavs. Uh, Offensive rebounding slash second chance opportunities, second chance baskets. 23 for the Knicks, only 12 for the Cavs. Uh, Rebounding, the Knicks out-rebounded. Uh, the Cavs 51 to 38, even though they have the two bigs in Mobley and Jared Allen. So, uh, but Josh Hart had 10 rebounds himself, uh, just all around better hustle. I felt we saw from the Knicks and in a, a really interesting ebb and flow, right? Brunson getting into foul trouble early, only played nine minutes in the first half. Uh, Julius Randle stepping up big time, but then 21 of the 27 points for Brunson uh, came in the fourth quarter. So timing is everything. And I talked about this prior to this tournament, starting and that is uh that the Knicks are a better team in regard to clutch shot opportunities uh the Cavs rank 20th in the NBA um and the Knicks are much better so I think clutch shots bench play rebounding second half chance opportunities all like checked all the boxes for the Knicks and I think those are really big reasons why the Knicks won your thoughts yeah no I think I think those are all really good observations that the other thing, I'm, I'm not sure that I, I heard you mention um, the defense at all. And, uh, you know, I think one of the very subtle things that, that I noticed was where the Knicks defenders were funneling the Cavaliers and where they were actually trying to get the ball um, being sent on, on offense. So I, I think the Cavaliers offensively are probably most dangerous when they have either Donovan or Darius Garland kind of operating from the top of the key and where they have opportunity to send the ball to either direction of, of, of the floor, you know? And I think the Knicks, the Knicks actually, uh, the Knicks defenders were sort of funneling them over to the side and trying to keep the ball away from the middle of the court. 
And um, you know, I, I think I think that was that was good. You know, and I think that was a a good move that that Tom Thibodeau and his coaching staff um, obviously seemed to prepare the Knicks to do. And what it ended up doing in return was there there were there was some hero ball on the part of Donovan Mitchell, you know, and there were some some situations where you know he had to take one or two hero shots, and he hit a couple of them. Talented player like him always will, but. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, one one thing that I would look at as voting positively for the Knicks in this series, if you have Donovan Mitchell taking twice as many shots as Darius Garland and Evan Mobley and not making at least 50% of them, at that point it's fair to say that you're making him a volume shooter, you're making their offense very predictable, and you're putting a lot of pressure on Mitchell to be um, to be super efficient against against tough defenders, against guys like Josh Hart, against Emmanuel Quickly, you know, against other guys out there that are going to make his life miserable. And if that's the way the Cavaliers are going to play, and if they're going to be relying on Donovan to shoot 60% from the field on 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 30 shots or 32 shots then those are the same types of situations that led to his Utah Jazz teams exiting their playoff runs a little earlier than they would have wanted to. So based on what we saw in game one, I, I think um, I think Tom Thibodeau and his staff have a very, very good game plan. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how the Cavaliers adjust. One other quick thing I'll, I'll give Tibbs uh, props for is uh, pulling R.J. Barrett down the stretch. You know, R.J. was – Definitely a net negative for the team in the in the final minutes of the fourth, and they made the tough decision to to pull him in and close the game with a different lineup. And that I think probably could have ended up being the difference in the game. And I know it's tough because I know how much Tibbs loves RJ, and and pulling him could potentially do something to his confidence. But uh, hopefully he has a, a short memory as far as that's concerned, and he has a better night in game two. Again, Mo Hamilton joining us here on 98.7 ESPN. Before I let you go, let's look big picture. 76ers take care of the Nets, 121 to 101. Celtics beat the Hawks, 112 to 99. The Kings and the Golden State Warriors, wow, what a good series this is going to be, no doubt, 126 to 123. And uh, I, I know we've got some games uh, later on this afternoon. I'm trying to call up uh, the schedule just so we have them uh, time-wise, uh, in order. Um, so starting this afternoon, the first game on tap will be the Lakers going up against the Grizzlies. That's at 3 o'clock Eastern. That's going to be a good one. 5.30, the Heat going up against the Bucks. Nobody really giving the Heat a chance against the Bucks. Clippers and the Suns at 8 o'clock and T-Wolves and Nuggets at 10.30. With that being said, uh, question here, Moke. Number one, how confident are you that the Knicks win the series against the Cavs? Um, and, and how many games do you think it will take? Do you think it's going to go the, the distance now that the Knicks won the first game? Does it go six? Curious to get your thoughts. And how do you think they match up against the 76ers in the Bucks? Because you know they're, they're going to more than likely have to go through both those squads in order to represent the East, let alone have a chance of winning a championship. I think we might be looking way ahead of ourselves here. But just out, out, out of curiosity, how do you think they, they match up against the Bucks and the 76ers? Yeah, I got my eyebrows raised over here because I'm, I'm not even sure that I know. Gonna, are going to end up beating the Cavs. But, um, I mean, look, based on what we saw yesterday, going into the series, I probably would have uh, I probably would have picked Cleveland. But, but I do 
see this as a six or seven games. Like, this is not going to be a short series. Um, I think that it probably will go seven games. I would not be surprised to see Cleveland end up stealing a game back in Madison Square Garden. So um, I, I think it goes the distance. Now, if I had to pick a team based on what I saw in game one, I might be inclined to flip and go with the Knicks um, just because Julius Randle still obviously is not operating at 100%. But what I saw Jalen Brunson do and what I saw Josh Hart do down the stretch of that game are things that I think they're capable of doing every single game. So if if Randall can just be a little more, uh, you know, if he can round back into form, then I, I think the Knicks would, would have a good shot. Now, if you say, okay, fine, you know, let's say that the Knicks get past them, how do they stack up against, you know, the Bucks and, and the Sixers and the conference and all of that? You know, I, I think Milwaukee is, is my pick to eventually come out of the East. Um, I think Miami is probably the worst-case scenario for them as a first-round opponent. That said, I see them getting past them, and I don't really think that I, – I, I just don't think the Knicks are there yet. I don't think they're there yet to be able to, to competently compete against Milwaukee in a seven-game series. Maybe they get a game or two. Philadelphia, I'd be much more optimistic about the Knicks' odds if they were to meet them at some point. But um, I'm not sure that the Knicks have, would have an answer for Joel Embiid. And if, if James Harden plays like how he played against Brooklyn yesterday, then um, it would be some long nights for the Knicks and perhaps perhaps a shorter series. So I don't think they're there yet to be able to compete with those guys, but the team is definitely on the right path. And, you know, if they win this series somehow against Cleveland, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to have a parade down, down 31st Street or something like that. It would be the first time I can remember <laughs> that they've won a playoff series. So, uh you know, hopefully that that happens for next time. Hopefully. Moke, always great having you on, my friend. Thank you so much. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday fun day. Enjoy the games later on this afternoon. Thanks, you too. You got it. Uh, again, Moke Hamilton joining us here on 98.70 ESPN. Justin D., I see you guys. I know you want to chime in. We'll get to your calls next. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday fun day, talking all things uh, Knicks beating the Cavs. Game one of uh, of the postseason, so all great stuff there. Coming your way at the top of the hour, Greg Wyshynski, the puck daddy, is going to join us. We'll break down how they're going into their postseason starting tomorrow on some really great series, obviously with the Rangers, Islanders, Devils, all of it. Uh, we'll discuss it all, get a great preview from Greg Wyshynski. Cynthia Freeland will be joining us as well to take a look ahead to what's going on in the NFL Will we hear anything in regard to the Rodgers watch? Uh, will that deal get done uh, prior to the, the, the NFL draft? Or will it happen on draft night? We'll dive into all that in three as well. So, uh, But we'll continue to take your calls. 800-919-3776. More to come. 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. 
better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 800-919-3776. Let's get to your calls. Justin in Tom's River. Welcome in. Good morning. Hey, Anita. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, you know, obviously I'm real excited about the Knicks win last night. I thought they played a really great game. You know, but I think us Knicks fans need to take a back seat and, and slow our roll a little bit. You know, obviously that was not the, the Cavs' best effort last night out, outside of Donovan Mitchell. And like the point you said before, you know, we absolutely killed them on the offensive glass. And the Cavs' bench absolutely gave them absolutely nothing last night. So, like, I, in my opinion, this series is far from over. I think this, this series is definitely going six or seven. And I'm really looking forward to the rest of the series, how it's going to play out. Absolutely. And and I I hear you. I mean, you know, we've been we've been fielding a number of Knicks calls, uh, Knicks fans calling in asking how will they match up against the 76ers? How will they match up against the Bucks? Listen, it's one game. I know it's fun to get ahead of ourselves, uh, but you know, I I think you're absolutely right. Um, I do believe. I, I thought this game would. I thought the series would go the distance. I think it, I thought it would go seven. I felt. Somewhat confident the Knicks would win now that they have game one under the belt. And it, it, it just seems like they they came in with the magic formula and were able to dominate in so many categories. Um, I feel even better, and I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be surprised if the Knicks won in six. Wouldn't be shocked. Let's go to D in Queens. D, you're up. What's up, Anita? Yeah, we're the um, Lamar Jackson fan club, and the Ravens have handled him like garbage. <laughs> but that's a whole different sport. Um, back to basketball. First thing, um, I think Jacques Vaughn, speaking of the Nets, needs to shut up because those refs were bad last um, yesterday, but they were bad in the Nets' favor. The Nets were straight up hacking the Sixers. They hit Joel Embiid and Harden in the face and no flagrants. Okay, so he needs to chill out with that. And then one other thing, with the MVP debate, I don't think the media should have such a uh, – prominent role i think it needs to be broken up like the all-star game because the media has too many agendas and they've shown this themselves to always move the goalposts when they don't like somebody there's like you can't justify Jokic winning the mvp last year as a six seed it was just ridiculous yeah but you know and, and d i i hear you again i personally feel that Jokic is is deserving uh of winning the mvp I mean, for God's sake, the guy averages a triple-double every time he steps on the court. And if he doesn't get that triple-double, it's always because of one rebound shy or one assist shy of. Um, That's just how good he is. And leading leading the Denver Nuggets to 53-29, 34-7 at home, majority of his triple-doubles that he did hit were at home. Again, a 34-7 record. I just... I just I believe Jokic is 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 deserving, but I I do believe there are writers out there that are just like you know what he doesn't he doesn't deserve to win three can't put him in that category uh, with you know with Larry and and Wilt and um, and Clyde just 
won't do it. So um, I do believe that Embiid is going to win. 800-919-3776. There is a lot more going on in our wide, wide world of sport outside of the Knicks. I know a lot of us don't want to believe that, but yes, it is true. Uh, When we come back, uh, we will take our tour around uh, the wide, wide world of sport, which is what is trending. Um, And so it's we have called click or don't click our producers who are tom and uh, and and joe lead the, the way today i also want to dive into the yankees and mets were both winners yesterday the yankees beat the twins the mets beat the a's but some drama surrounding the yankees win against the twins pertaining to herman and some sticky stuff i want to dive into that as well so um so uh, we will continue, obviously, to talk about the Knicks. We will continue to take your call. Obviously, that's the most important storyline. Uh, we also have Greg Wish to be joining us at the top of the 11 o'clock hour, previewing some NHL matchups, specifically a lot of our New York and Jersey teams. And we have Cynthia Freeland, who will be joining us as well uh, to talk about uh, what we can possibly expect heading into this week. The NFL draft will be here before we know it. So still a lot more coming your way. Anita Marks with you on this Sunday morning here on 90.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, Who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Nina Marks with you on this Sunday fun day here on 98.7 ESPN. Uh, I I do want to get into what happened with the Yankees game yesterday, specifically with Herman. Before we do, gentlemen, uh, let's go to Emmanuel in Flushing. He wants to talk about the MVP voting before we switch gears here. Emmanuel, good, good morning. Welcome in. Good morning, Anita. How are you doing? Great. Um, good, good. I just want to say this. My MVP was Giannis because Giannis has led the team to the best record in the NBA. And I think some people feel that Jokic don't deserve in, um, deserve MVP uh, for the first three years because of his track record. The last couple of years, in which he won MVP, his team, unfortunately, did not get far in the playoffs. We think about it, 2011, 2021, they lost, they got swept by Phoenix in the second round. But then last year, they got by five games against the Warriors in the first round. I mean, at some point, I mean, you need to look at Yogi and say, look, if he has one MVP, at some point, can you lead the Nuggets back to the conference finals, something he hadn't done since, um, since that bubble in 2020? You know, Listen, here's the thing, Emmanuel. You you can make an argument. I appreciate the phone call. I, I think you can make a solid argument for all three. I really do. And I think all three are very, very deserving. I just think night in and night out, just the all-around game that Jokic brings to the table, um, I to, to me, weighs more heavily. And, and that's why I, I believe that, that Jokic is, is more deserving. And, and the West... Uh, you want to say the West isn't as competitive as the East? Okay, that's fair. I, I think that's a fair argument. Uh, but, you know, he, he did lead his team to the number one seed coming out of the West. And I believe at the end of the day, um, I, I've got the Nuggets and the Bucks in the championship. So, 
Uh, but like I said, I, I want to switch gears here for a second. I want to talk about what happened yesterday in, in the Yankees game, which was really interesting. As we know, the Yankees, they beat the Twins 6-1. to one. Herman was, was pitching for the Yankees, okay? Now, he retired the first 16 batters, and he had 11 strikeouts, career high in strikeouts. So statistically, red flag, definitely being waved in six and one-third innings. Okay, let's, let's shelf that for a second. Let's understand what the stats are here. Now, um, Baldelli, the uh, manager of the Twins, uh, was pretty heated because at one point, Herman was pulled aside by the umps, was examined, and he had the rosin powder on his hands, was asked to wash them off, um, a little bit stayed on his pinky finger, so did not wash it all off and was allowed to stay in the game and continue to pitch. Okay. So in the fourth inning, uh, he was, you know, so obviously he violated the clean hands doc, right? Uh, the, the rules. And, and as we know, major league baseball is, is getting more strict, obviously with that. So in the fourth inning was asked to, to wash his, his hands down, uh, but still some of that, I, I call it sticky stuff, uh, was, was remaining on his pinky finger. Let's listen in. This is the Twins manager postgame. He was warned. He didn't fully comply, I would say, with the warning from what I was told and uh, was still allowed to keep pitching. So that's it. That's it. I just don't agree with that in principle. So... Let's listen in. Now, here, here's Booney. Here's Aaron Boone post-game talking about this, the incident and what happened with her mom. Didn't see anything. Just there was tackiness, you know, from, from rosin. But he, he doesn't hit the rosin out there, but he hits the rosin before he comes out. So it was just level that alarm, that caught his attention. So here's my thing. And, 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 of course, we've got our producers, Tom and Joe, and we've been talking about this throughout the show in our breaks um, here's what I don't understand. If rosin is, is a substance that you're not allowed to have on your hand while pitching, why even have it in the clubhouse? Why even have it sitting on the rubber? Why even have it out there? Because now you're getting into a really difficult situation and line of how much is too much, right? At the end of the day, and Joe, again, you and I have really been, been doing a deep dive into this uh, throughout the breaks. You and I have been talking about this. Isn't that what the issue is here? Well, the issue isn't that it's, a, it's illegal per se. It, uh, rosin bags have been on you know, the back of mountains for, for decades at this point. It is a substance that baseball right. ha- does say, you know, you can use this. This is legal. You can use this with sweat. Or if, you know, if it's a hot day in the middle of July, some pitchers whether it's right or not, use it with a little bit of sunscreen and, and mix it just to get a grip on the ball so they don't throw balls at the guy's head. But the one thing that's concerning to me is I've never heard of a rosin bag in a dugout before. And maybe that's just where they've moved the rosin bag because of the 15-second the pitch clock because you don't have enough time to go to the bag in the 15 seconds, get the, the little bit of tackiness, and then go back on the mound and and start your delivery but that's just the the question that I have why is the rosin bag in the dugout and two how much is too much rosin cuz over the past 2 years the 
controversy over sicky stuff and spider tack and, and what have you has gained traction and the conversation over, over how much rosin is too much rosin to me is way too much in the weeds and something that if baseball wants to crack down on sticky stuff, we need to know exactly how much rosin a pitcher is allowed to have. And I don't know who, who makes that rule or determination of what's too much. Because one home, home plate umpire can say one thing as opposed to another crew. Yeah, again, I just I think I think we're getting into really murky territory here. In in my opinion, it should be okay. Rosin should be allowed and available, and and if if you're allowing a substance to be utilized, you 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 can't dictate the amount. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculous. The, now you're getting into who, who's who's to say what amount is much and what isn't it's dangerous territory either if rosin is allowed and is legal and these guys can use it then fine if not if not if if this is the situation what that we saw yesterday with herman then shoot it shouldn't be allowed to, to be utilized you, you 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 get into no pun intended you get into a sticky situation when now you are allowing umps to decide how much is too much just or other managers, other skippers to chime in and say, well, he, he's got too much. It's, 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 it's a recipe for disaster. It's ridiculous. Tom, you want to say something? Yeah. Just to build off of this, I'm looking at an article from MLB.com right now. And I believe this is the umpires quote, James Hoy, as well as DJ Rayburn. They're the ones who inspected Herman's hand. And this is a quote I'm pulling mm-hmm. from their article it says this is not an ejectable offense because we didn't we didn't feel it rose to foreign substance standard of affecting the flight, affecting his pitching. So why did they tell him to wash his hands in the first place is where I'm getting to that if this is such a legal substance. Now, to Rockabaldelli's main gripe, yeah, if there's an issue that you get warned about and then they tell you again that it's an issue, yeah, he probably could have been ejected. But this is a legal substance, so I still don't. We still don't know what you guys were saying. How much is too much? Especially again with a legal substance that's been in the game for who knows how long. Another thing that you get to with this is, you know, Boone said that you know it raised a flag. Well, how many flags get raised before a pitcher's suspended? And it it, it just gets. Way too into, like you said, Anita, a murky situation where we're dictating. The, I agree that there should be a legal stu- a substance for pitchers to grip the ball because I don't want people hurt. But why are we? I mean, this is a two-year-long conversation now that we don't really know what's legal anymore and what's not, and it it it, it gets troubling at times. I just, uh, again, I, just to, to put a big fat bow on this conversation, um, I, I think it's dangerous territory for Major League Baseball when you're allowing a substance to be utilized, but now you're leaving it up to the umpires to decide how much is too much of a substance that's allowed to be utilized, right? And and again, the report was that he was able to go out there and uh, and and, you know, 
wash the substance off his hand, but he did leave some on his pinky. And if you've ever thrown a baseball, you know, uh, it's, it's, you know, a, a really important part of, of your control and, and how you can manipulate a, a baseball with your, your pinky finger. So just really, really interesting, uh, how that all panned out. And I, I just, I think, I think major league baseball needs to reconsider, um, how they're going to move forward uh, with with allowing pitchers to utilize. Um, by the way, Yankees back in action today, um, again against the Twins. Lopez going up against Garrett Cole, so hopefully they could get another win. Uh, the Mets, they beat the A's yesterday 3-2. They've won three straight. Alonzo with the seventh home run of the season. Carrasco went five innings, gave up four hits, two runs, three strikeouts. So uh, And they're back at it at 4 o'clock this afternoon. So some Major League Baseball coming your way along with the NBA playoffs. Three o'clock, you've got the Lakers going up against the Grizzlies. I do like the Grizzlies here. I'll lay the three and a half. Probably my favorite play is the Grizzlies in the first half. They're a great first first half team. They cover against the spread uh, over 55% of the time. The Lakers, slow slow to get started. Once they get that, re- that engine revving, they're rolling, but it takes them a minute. So I do love the Grizzlies minus three and a half. Um, my, probably my favorite play is the Grizzlies minus one and a half in the first half. Later on, 530, you've got the Heat going up against the Bucks. Nobody really giving the Heat a shot. A lot of people think this could be uh, a series where they'll just get blown out um, and the Bucks will sweep and win in four. Uh, Milwaukee is laying nine and a half. Too many points for me, but I'll tell you what I do like here, and I, I like the under. At 219, um, uh, this is just a Heat team. They have trouble scoring. They're going up against the Bucks, who have one of the best defenses in the NBA. And also, uh, I, I do believe that uh, the, the Heat play a very slow-paced, methodical offense. And this very well could be a blowout for the Bucks, where maybe they're going to be resting a lot of their star players in the second half, let alone the fourth quarter. Clippers going up against the Suns. Suns favored by 7.5 against the Clippers. Uh, no word whether or not Paul George is going to play or not. I doubt he will. He was at shoot-around this week. We'll see what happens. That game tips off at 8 o'clock later on this evening. And then last but not least, the T-Wolves going up against the Nuggets at 10.30. So uh, a lot of NBA action coming your way later on this afternoon in this evening. When we come back, uh, we will find out what's trending at 10.45 a.m. on this Sunday morning, right here on 98.7 ESPN. You're listening to Anita Marks on 98.7 ESPN. This is Click, 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 or Don't. Very simply, here's the headline. Are you interested in clicking or not? That's right. It's time for Click or Don't Click, a fun way. We take our tour around our wide, wide world of sport. We find out what is trending based on the headlines. Uh, Our producers always lead the way, Tom and Joe. Go ahead. All right, Yankee Nation. So, I was looking at the Yankees starting lineup, which was just released. Eh, Let's call it, okay, it actually says the direct time on the tweet, 1030 a.m. Now, if Yankees fans notice, you will see Giancarlo, uh, Giancarlo Stanton not in the lineup today. And mm. we have some very bad news, according to Marley mm-hmm. Rivera on Twitter. Mm. Apparently, oh, no. there is a health issue with Giancarlo Stanton. It has not been confirmed, she said. Following that up, a five minutes ago from Jim Bowden, 
on Twitter. Giancarlo Stanton getting an MRI on IL with a hamstring pull. Nothing confirmed from the team. This is just what we are seeing on Twitter. But Marley mm-hmm. Rivera reporting the health issue first. Jim Bowden following it up saying there is a hamstring pull for Giancarlo Stanton. No timetable, obviously, yet. It's a developing story, but he is out of the Yankee lineup today. Not good. Um, No, not good. Uh, that's for sure. Um, You know, listen... Uh, th- this is this is a, a Yankees team and a Yankees roster that is, has had to suffer some injuries and some disappointment early, even before the season began. Uh, but they're still in the mix, right? Um, the Rays, they lost again yesterday to the Toronto Blue Jays. So um, let me, I just want to pull up the scores here from yesterday. Um, you know, the, the Rays, obviously, one of the, the biggest storylines coming in to uh, this this weekend series of games as they were 13 and 0 and now they've lost two straight to the Blue Jays. So now the Rays 13 and 2, the Blue Jays 10 and 5. If you recall coming into uh, the season, I I really like this Blue Jays team a lot. That's who I have been in this division. They're 4 and 1 at home and uh they're up against the Rays again. So not that you want either team to be winning some games, but um you know, the Rays Going on that 13-0 and 0 terror, uh, you got to look at the teams that they went up against, right? Detroit, Washington, Oakland, Boston, all last in their divisions. So, uh, you know, yes, your record says who you are, but also you've got to look at your schedule. You can't pick and choose the people that you, the teams that you play, but keep in mind this Rays team ha- really has been been benefiting and you've got, and, and you also have to beat the teams that aren't good either. There's a lot of good teams out there that lose to teams that are below 500. But um, you know, I just, I, I think, I think the Rays aren't as good as their record indicates, and we will see that as they take on better teams that are above 500. Completely agree with you uh, there, Anita. And just one last thing on the Yankees. For any Oswald Peraza lovers out there, he is here in the Yankees clubhouse, according to John Heyman. So Oswald Peraza looks to be taking Stanton's place on the Yankees roster at the moment. As it stands right now, the Yankees, four games behind the uh, the Rays uh, at 9-6. and six. The Orioles right behind them at 8-7. and seven. And, of course, the Red Sox at 7-8. and eight. What else you guys got? So we'll keep it local. We will go to the Giants and former Oakland Raider GM Mike Lombardi has uh, something to say about the Giants payment structure this offseason. Click or don't click. You pay Daniel Jones, but now you're not going to pay Saquon. You're not going to give Dexter. Everybody in that locker room, everybody in that locker room knows the reason they won wasn't because of Daniel Jones. He had Mm -hmm. something to do with it. But he didn't carry the team. The players know this. You can't con the players. They know this. Mm-hmm. And so there it is, right? Chronic feeling of underappreciation. Saquon feels underappreciation. Daniel doesn't, but Saquon does. Dexter does. And so it, this, this is what happens. And they didn't win enough, and they're not good enough as a team to be able to kind of go through this. Like, th- they didn't win a championship. They won nine freaking games and beat a shitty Minnesota team and got their ass kicked. They're not good enough to have the disease of me. Wow. Uh, I know Michael 
very well. He's uh, he's a dear friend. Um, he's very wise and obviously really experienced in um, obviously in, in in the NFL front office. Um, and and I'll say this: in in hosting New York Game Day with Matthias Kiwanuka, and we we talked about what the Giants were going to do as we got closer you know, to the off season and, and we knew the, the, the contract situation that they faced between Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley and Matthias Kimanuka would agree with Michael Lombardi. Uh, Matthias Kimanuka said, you know, you've got to pay Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is the straw that stirs this drink. And um, if you don't pay him, you're going to have some issues in that locker room and guys are going to know, well, wait a minute. Saquon really is the reason why we won. Not and, and again, like I'm, you know me. I'm a huge Daniel Jones fan. I, I do believe that there are games that were won because of Daniel Jones, right? Like being able to scramble ten yards, move the chains, be able to run the clock out, or or complete an insane accurate pass for fifteen yards to give Gano a, a, a field goal opportunity. I, to me, there were there were many many moments, many times. Uh, this season that Daniel performed to a level that helped this Giants team win games. So I'm not knocking Daniel Jones, but as a whole, as a collective unit offensively, Saquon Barkley is the straw that stirred this drink. Here's what the problem is. You talk to every general manager, not just Joe Shane, and I haven't spoken to Joe Shane, but you talk to a number of general managers. Uh, Running back is not where you spend your money. The Pittsburgh Steelers did it with Le'Veon Bell. Where did that lead them? The Jets picked up that contract with Le'Veon Bell. Where did that leave them? Ezekiel Elliott got his with the Dallas Cowboys. Where is he now? He's a free agent. Tony Pollard, much better running back than than Ezekiel Elliott. That was ridiculous, that contract that, that Jerry Jones paid him. You don't spend the bulk of your money when it comes to uh, you know, your, your cap space on running backs. You just don't. And so as great as Saquon Barkley is, wrong position, dude. Wrong position. I also, I'm not going to pay a lot of money for a wide receiver either. It's O-line, specifically your left tackle. It's D-line, specifically edge rusher. Although these days, solid nose tackle will do a lot for you. Um, shut down corner, and of course your quarterback. So, just I, I think it's unfortunate for Saquon Barkley. He just plays the wrong position. He's an absolute beast, straw that stirred the drink. No denying that. But um, just plays the wrong position. Uh, you guys, uh, and one more quickly before we take a break because we have Greg Wyshynski who's going to join us. We're going to preview some NHL. Well, I will rapidly do this uh, story here, Nita. And this is actually an NHL story, a feel-good story. Following the Rangers' final regular season game at MSG, Rangers captain Jacob Truba, he met with and surprised a Garden of Dreams youth, Isaiah Marquez-Green, on the ice. Now, just some background on him. The the Marquez-Green family, they lost their daughter, daughter Anna, in the horrific events of the Sandy Hook shooting in 2012. Um, and they've been living the past 10 years striving to make the world a better place in her name, Isaiah 18. Um, 
He's her uh, bigger brother, um, a hockey player as well, and the survivor of the tragedy. He's a top student at his high school, Taft, where he starts as a goalie on the school's hockey team. He's been dreaming of going to law school, and he was planning to go to UConn. And Jacob Truba, after this game again at MSG, he presented Marquez Green with a $60,000 Garden of Dreams Inspire Scholarship for his college programming. Uh, So Isaiah Marquez Green is going to be going to school to study law, thanks to the Garden of Dreams Foundation and Jacob Truba. Great stuff, guys. Appreciate it. This is what's trending at 11 a.m. here on this Sunday morning. We come back, kick off hour number three. Greg Wyshynski, the Puck Daddy, will join us to preview the NHL playoffs next right here on 98.7 ESPN.